again, we're in Philippians. Um, this is kind of wrapping up chapter two. And uh, um, this has just been a great, great series, um, I believe, for the church. But earlier in chapter two, Paul used uh, Jesus as an example of both humility and sacrifice. And before I read verse 19 through 30, which is what we're talking about today, I think we have to remember what Paul said in verses 3 through 8. So I'm going to read this to you. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. How many of you know we could spend about eight weeks right there? Literally. We could spend a bunch of time right there. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human. When Jesus came to this earth, he basically took his crown off. He was still God, but he was 100% human, meaning that he felt everything that you and I felt. He felt everything. This had to happen so that there, there, had, there was a price to be paid for our sin and it had to be somebody like us who lived a perfect life and he became our sin is what the Bible says. And so Jesus, I, 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 he felt human pain. We know that when he was on the cross. He felt human emotion. He was clearly distraught when Lazarus died. Uh, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he felt everything that we feel. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So when you read this, you can't help but see the character traits that are necessary for a follower of Jesus to model. And there's two men who we're going to talk about today in our verses in, uh, in, in Philippians 2 with verse 19, starting in 19. Their names are Timothy and Epaphroditus. Everybody say Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. <laughs> someone, someone just slaughtered it. All right, let's try it again. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. That sounds like something that could be on your skin, doesn't it? It's not a common name. It's not, it, have you ever noticed that in the Bible there are a lot of names, obviously in the Old Testament that we don't use today, but in the New Testament there's a lot of names that we still use today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Philip, Peter, Epaphroditus is just not one that we talk about much today. But there is actually a really good lesson to be learned here, and we're going to talk about that today. These two men would be what we consider disciples, not of the 12 disciples, but apostles, if you will. Um, these two men, from what we can see in Scripture, are model Christians, two followers, true followers of Jesus. And I think they have traits that we can learn today that we can apply to our lives. They're selfless. They were humble. They were all about others. They were fearless. Uh, 
servant-minded, they were obedient, and all the things that Paul had been teaching up to this point in Philippians, Paul's saying, I'm sending these men to you, and I want you to learn from them, and I want you to follow their example until I can get there. That's what Paul is saying in these verses. You got to think Paul had to, he had to be just a heck of a salesman because Paul, in the time when he was writing this, where was Paul? He was in prison, okay? He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And somehow, he sold two guys to go preach the gospel. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty amazing. I mean, he closed this deal with them. These two men, Paul shows these character traits are, 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 they're just the best examples of being a follower of Christ. And so I want to read this to you in Philippians. Uh, we're going to start with verse 19. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests. Remember earlier what he said about people that seek out their own interests, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Timothy, his proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come as well. I have thought, and by the way, Paul, prison, most likely Rome. We don't know for sure, but most likely he is in Rome. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. I've thought it necessary also to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister, or actually and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may receive at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. I said, receive that you may rejoice. I apologize. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, honor, and such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Jesus, pray that you would just speak to our hearts, God, that you would help us apply uh, this today, this message, this lesson today. God, help us always to focus on others. Would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. So here's a question for you. What do you do with your one and only life? What would you want to do with your one and only life? All of us in the room have dreams, right? We have goals, desires, things that we want to accomplish in life. My dream and goal as a kid did not include ministry. This was not something that I thought I would do. I never thought that I would 
be in QuickBooks every single day when I was 10 years old. But that's what I do. That is my job. What I wanted to do when I was a kid is I wanted to be a play-by-play commentator for the St. Louis Cardinals. That was my dream. That's, it's, I mean, for the longest time. Those guys get to call, they get to watch baseball for a living. They get to talk about baseball for a living. They go to bed, they wake up the next day, they play golf, and I know they play golf because they talk about it all the time as they're commentating. <laughs> and then they probably spend a little bit of time, obviously, on stats and knowing certain things um, that they need to know for their broadcast, and they do it all again that evening. That sounds like the most perfect jobs. Any baseball fans in the house? Some, you either love it or you hate it. Some people think baseball is just absolutely boring. It's, I think it's the best game in the world. But ministry wasn't in the cards for me. But I will tell you, I feel so fulfilled because I know I'm doing what God has called me to do, what he predestined me to do. Rochelle and I were talking about this. I, we, I asked her, I go, what, what, what did you want to do when you uh, were younger? What did you see yourself doing? And she said, well, I kind of wanted to be a doctor, uh, maybe a teacher. But the one thing that, that she was sure of is she said, I want to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. And uh, she got to see, obviously see that come to pass in her life. But every single one of us have desires, we have goals, we have dreams, things we want to see met in our life. But one common thing between all of our goals and our dreams is I would guess that all of us just want to make a difference. With whatever you're doing, you just want to make a difference. You want to leave it better than you found it. Am I right? We all just want to make a difference. And I think the greatest way that we can make a difference is living your life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. I believe when you live your life for Jesus and you fully surrender to him, you are setting yourself up to make a difference no matter what your career choice is. Am I right? Over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of the most Um, practical but rich verses and most challenging um, um, verses in in scripture as as Paul writes in in chapter one and chapter two, he talks about joy, he talks about unity. Um, He he tells us in, in later in chapter two, we just read how to think of others. It's about others. And in this chapter, Paul talked about Jesus and his life and, and, you know, we got to have that same attitude um, that Jesus had. That's what Paul is teaching us. And when we read these verses, they make sense. But how many of you have ever thought that maybe that was just for them or that was just for the pastors to live this life all about others? Is that just for people in ministry? Is that just for people maybe back then? And we think maybe I'll, tr- I'll try, but it's just an unrealistic standard. And that's where we start with chapter 9, or I'm sorry, verse 19. Paul kind of switches gears. He, he gives us this practical verse 
early in chapter in verse uh, chapter two, and all these really good verses that that we can apply to our lives. And if I if I can be a hundred percent honest with you, when when we were when we were reading this these few verses that we're preaching about today, Pastor Chad is speaking the same message in Marshfield. And Chad called me. He's like, man, there's just nothing to preach on here. It's, it's a travel itinerary is really all it is. I mean, think about it. It's, I'm going to send Timothy, and I'm also going to send Epaphroditus. Hope you guys have a great day. I mean, the, you know, there's not as much meat in this portion as we have earlier in Philippians. But then it's like, well, that's the point. That's the whole point. Paul usually included a section like this in some of his other letters, if you read in the New Testament. But I want to ask this question. Why did Paul, why did he want to include this? What, what does this have to do with me? Have you ever read parts of the Bible, you're like, this has nothing to do with me. Like the genealogies and all that stuff. I don't care that so-and-so was the brother of so-and-so and in this tribe and that. I mean, how can I apply this to my life? And I think for those who believe that Paul's teaching was impossible to live out, that that was just for them or that was just for, that was just, that's just for the people in ministry. And we're gonna look at two ordinary people, Timothy, Epaphroditus, and we're gonna see what they did, how they applied these things to their life. First, let's look at Timothy. Verse 19, let me read this one more time. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you. Then when he comes back, he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy, he says, who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has helped me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going to happen with me here, and I have uh, confidence from the Lord that I myself will see you soon. Here's what we know about Timothy. Timothy helped found the church in Philippi. He helped plant that church. The Philippians would have remembered Timothy because obviously he played a pretty vital role in their spiritual life. He was someone who had sacrificed for them. Timothy had served with Paul probably for several years because if you actually read in the book of Timothy, Paul tells him, don't let anybody look on you because you're young. So he, there was this mentor relationship with them. He had a good track record. And the Philippians had expected Timothy to come sooner. And in this passage, Paul explains to the Philippians, Timothy's coming, but just not yet. Just, just hold on, he'll be there soon. And we know a lot of things about Timothy's character from the other parts of the Bible, but one of the things that Timothy was not known for was his courage. In fact, Timothy was probably, probably more of an introverted type person. He was timid. And I want to give you three qualities of Timothy. These will be in your notes. And these, maybe this is you. Maybe, maybe these things explain you. Maybe this is something that you strive for. But I want to give these to you. Number one, he cared for people. 
Timothy truly cared for people. In verse 20, he said, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. You see, it wasn't an act. It, it, it was real. He genuinely cared. He was somebody who really did live out what Paul was teaching. When he said, don't think about only your own affairs, but be interested in others and what they're doing. He cared for people. Number two, he lived sacrificially. In verse 21, he said, all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus. You see, Timothy, he wasn't self-absorbed. He didn't live for his own comfort and good. He lived sacrificially. He lived to follow Jesus, even when it cost him something. He cared for people. He lived sacrificially. And the third thing that Paul says about Timothy is that he proved himself. In verse 22, he says, but you know how Timothy has proved himself. He had a good record. Timothy is an example of an average person who made a difference through his attitude to others and his, willing, his willingness to serve. Great example of someone who lived out Paul's teaching. Now let's look at Epaphroditus. One more time, just for the heck of it, say Epaphroditus. Okay. I, had, I literally had to ask Rochelle to say this to me over and over. I asked her, I'm like, how do you say this guy's name? And I just slaughtered it for the longest time as she told me how to say it. So, And have you ever Googled like pronunciation and you get that robot, Epaphroditus, and you, and you just listen to it over and over. That's what I had to do because I'm like, I'm going to forget this. Staff's going to laugh at me for two weeks if I don't say this right. All right. Paul does something really smart here. He, he's talked about Timothy, but he kind of brings it closer to home. He brings up the example of actually one of the Philippians. This is actually somebody who was from that church. And he says in verse 25, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a faithful worker, and a courageous soldier. He was your messenger, so it's yours. I'm sending him back to you. He's yours. He's from there. He goes, I'm sending him home again, for he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that uh, you heard he was ill. Um, He was surely ill. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also me so that I uh, would not have such unbearable sorrow. And he says, I am all the more anxious to send him back to you for I know you will be glad to see him and that he will lighten all my cares. Welcome him with Christian love and with great joy and be sure to honor people like him for he risked his life for the work of Christ even to the point of death. So Epaphroditus is a member of the Philippian church. Here's what we know about him. He traveled about 750 miles to be with Paul to bring him a gift. And I want you to think about that for a second. 750 miles is a long way. It's a long way by car. 
That is, if you've ever been, that is 750 miles is about Springfield to Pensacola, Florida, to, to Fort Walton Beach, Destin there. It's about 750 miles. How many of you ever, ever made that drive? How many of you made that drive in one night like we used to do? You drove the whole way. You didn't, you mean you stopped to get gas and use the restroom and maybe go through the drive-thru or something. That's a long way. If Paul is in prison, most likely Rome, the journey to Philippi, 750 miles, most of that, if you look at the map, is probably walking. Um, there's a short part of it that, is, that was probably by boat from, the, from Greece to Italy, um, was probably by boat. But you could say that 85, 90% of that trip is by foot. Did the math for you. If you walk 12 hours per day at an average speed of three miles per hour, and like I told them earlier, unless you're a shell and you're in the mall, it's about six miles per hour. I can't keep up. 12 hours per day, three miles per hour, it would take you 21 days to walk 750 miles. Now, did he have some type of backpack on or something? You know, did, was he taking his own food? Was he trying to get food on the way? Was there rain? Was, you know, was there a lightning storm? Did, that's 12 straight hours every day, 21 days. Can you imagine? Anybody here think they could do that? 12 hours a day for 21 straight days, anybody? A few of you, maybe? No, not me. I, I struggle doing two laps at the park at Miller. That's about all, that's about, Rochelle likes to walk at Wilson's Creek. No way, that's like five miles. I'm out, not gonna do it. He traveled all that way to represent the Philippian church to help Paul in prison. And we know that Epaphroditus became seriously ill on the trip to the point of death. I think I would be too if I had to walk 750 miles. But it, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? There also, there kind of seems to be maybe a little bit of a misunderstanding in this when Epaphroditus showed up with this letter. The Philippians were expecting Timothy. They weren't expecting Epaphroditus. And he made it very clear, we just read it, but he made it very clear that they are to welcome him warmly because he had served Christ well. Here you have two ordinary average people. We don't know if they were in full-time ministry, but they weren't at the capacity of Paul at the time. But you have two average people. One of them is kind of introverted, very timid. The other one was sick. They were just ordinary people, yet they made a difference. They made a difference. And Paul felt it necessary in verse 21. Again, all the others cared only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus. We're not sure who the others are. But Paul found it necessary to say, there's others I know, maybe they were bigger names. Maybe they could draw a crowd or they were more famous. We don't have any idea. But what we do know is these two, according to Paul, came through like no one else. Maybe the others, their schedules got in the way. They were just busy. Maybe they were looking for their, out for their own interests. Maybe hobbies and activities got in the way. 
Whatever happened in some way, shape, or form, if you read between the lines, it feels like they let Paul down. They're more interested in maybe some of their own affairs than what mattered to Jesus. And the difference with Timothy and Epaphroditus, it was not ability. It wasn't their talent. It wasn't how well they preached. It was their willingness to serve. It was their willingness to lay down their own interest to serve somebody else. And let me ask you a question today. Who in your life has made the biggest impact? Don't you think about this for a second. Outside of your family, I want you to think about, get, maybe get their, get their face in your head. Who in your life has made the biggest impact? My guess is that they, it was an ordinary person. Probably wasn't a famous person. They weren't extraordinary any more than we are extraordinary. They probably didn't stand head and shoulders above somebody else. Average, ordinary people that cared for you. It wasn't an act for them, they weren't getting anything in return. They were committed to you. They sacrificed for you. They weren't looking out for themselves. They really had no agenda for themselves. But they lived for a higher purpose. There's something about them, although it was just an ordinary person, they were committed to something much bigger. And here's the lesson I want you to get today. Never underestimate the influence of a single ordinary person who commits to dying to themselves, becoming a servant of Jesus Christ, and serving others. Never underestimate an ordinary person. Most often, it's not the extraordinary people who make the difference. You can look, in the, you can look, you can see this pattern in the Bible. You know, we, we, we know Peter had an anger and a temper problem. God used him. We see that Timothy was very timid. God used him. David had a lust issue. God used him. Jeremiah was depressed. He, had, he dealt with depression. God used him. God uses ordinary people who have some of the same issues maybe that you have, but he uses them to make a difference. I want you to hear that today. You have something to offer. You have something to offer that no one else, you can reach people that I could never reach. You could reach somebody that Pastor Chad could never reach. I want you to hear me today. Never underestimate the influence of an ordinary person who commits to serving Jesus and loving others. I want to give you three things today that a true follower of Christ lives by. Three principles that a follower of Christ lives by. And we get the, this example from Timothy and Epaphroditus and many others in the Bible. 
If you want to be an everyday servant, if you want to live in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, if you want to become less about yourself and more about others, if you want to make a difference, I want to give you three principles that would truly make a difference in an everyday, ordinary follower of Christ. Number one, it's less about me and more about Jesus. They don't live for themselves. They, it, it, think about it, living for yourself. How shallow is that? Everyday servants agree with what Paul said in Acts 20, verse 24. Paul says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's Wonderful kindness and love. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me. I don't think this is aimed at pastors. This is not just for people who are in full-time ministry. It's for every single one of us. No matter what you do for a living, I don't care if you sell cars for a living, I don't care if you're a teacher if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you flip hamburgers for a living, if you're a lawyer, if you're a student, if you're retired, it doesn't matter. My worth or my life is worth nothing unless I use it for the work assigned to me. How many of you would say, I was raised in church, I've been in church most of my life? Raise your hand if you've been in church most of your life. Okay, how many of you uh, that raised your hand, how many of you remember Sunday school? Were you in Sunday school? I was in, I was in Sunday school. Learned a lot in Sunday school. Learned, learned a lot about, about the Bible in Sunday school. I learned a lot when I was in, uh, when I was a kid, and we called it, we, we, here we call it Destiny Kids. We called it Children's Church. We, we didn't have a creative team, all right? We didn't, there was nothing, there wasn't really anything creative about church when I, when I was a kid, you know? I mean, they, put, they had a board that they put the attendance on every week. And, and I mean, it was just, it was very simple. I remember, um, I remember a couple that they weren't paid. They were just volunteers, but they were over children's church. And um, they, didn't, they didn't receive a dime, but they never missed they were there every single week. Name, names were Ed and, De- Ed and Debbie Reynolds. I can still remember their face when I was a kid. And uh, they taught us every single week. Ed played guitar and he would lead worship every single week. And he was actually a good guitar player. I mean, I felt that even, you know, I, I, I used to do music and I felt that even at a young age, I kind of understood music and, and, and he was good. He could sing. Debbie, not so much. Okay. Um, she was, she just, that, that was not her gift. Um, she was like, it wasn't just barely off. It was like way, like way, way over here. She just wasn't a very good singer, but here's the deal. She taught me about Jesus every single Sunday. I don't remember 
them ever missing. And I know this because I never missed. Back then, it was, it was like a sin to miss church. There, we, there wasn't travel ball back then, folks. There, they, we didn't have anything like that. I was there every single Sunday morning. Back, we'd go, we'd Sunday morning church or Sunday morning um, Sunday school, then church, then KFC. We got us a bucket of chicken on the way home. We go home, um, you know, either take a nap or whatever. We were right back to church on Sunday night, and then we went to church on Wednesday nights. And it was like clockwork. Life was pretty simple back then. But they taught me about Jesus. Who knows where I would be today if it wasn't for Ed and Debbie Reynolds. And I started, as I was studying this, I started thinking about some of the people in this church who give selflessly of their time. They don't do it because it's their job. They don't do it for the paycheck. They don't get paid. They do it because it's what they were assigned to do. You know, look on the front row. I see Tabitha here. Teaches your kids every single week. She doesn't work here. That's what she's called to do. I see Lee and Luke who are here every single week. Every single week. I don't, they only call me when they're not coming. I just know they're going to be here. That's just what they do. They head up our usher teams. I think of the folks in the, in the cafe with Tracy. and Chris works in the cafe. Chris works in the uh, kids' check-in. Chris does just a little bit about everything, you know. He just, that's what he feels he's called to do. I mean, I, I don't want to miss any names. There's so many people in this room I could go through and tell you. They do this every single week. And I wonder, I wonder if... If, if, if all of us could understand this kingdom principle, it's less about me and more about Jesus. What if we all got it? Every single one of us. I think of all the men and women that serve on, on our third Tuesday food distribution, who are here loading cars, who are here sorting food, who are here and, and sometimes it's not the easiest place to serve because just to be honest with you, sometimes, you know, the people are just not the most pleasant. But you know what? We're making a difference. Maybe we're sowing a seed in somebody's life. Maybe we're somehow, some way, being the hands and feet of Christ by serving them food. So many men and women who understand that it's less about me and more about Jesus. The second principle, the greatest impact I can make, goes kind of hand in hand, but the greatest impact I can make is to serve others. You want to make an impact on the kingdom? Serve. I believe believe when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe that he died and he rose from the grave, the Bible says you will be saved. But I think a true follower of Christ serves. It's my opinion. You don't have to agree with that. I think a true follower of Christ, because Jesus even said, I didn't come to be served, I actually came to serve others. 
the greatest impact we can make is when we serve others. Folks, we get to do this. Worship team, you can come back. We get to do this. It's not something we have to do. We don't have to, but we get to do this. I get to prove myself, as Paul said about Timothy, he proved himself. I get to prove myself. I get to give up my own interest and my own priorities in order to serve Jesus. Everyone else might look out for their own interests, but not me. I get to do this for Jesus. I get to do this for others. And the third thing, if you're taking notes, once you write this down, radical commitments produce extraordinary results. Radical commitments produce extraordinary uh, results. I might be ordinary, but God uses ordinary people when they make radical commitments to live for a higher purpose. How many of you have heard in the mid-1800s of a preacher by the name of D.L. Moody? Have you ever heard of this name, D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody wasn't an average person. He was a below average person. He was one of nine children, which is not super uncommon back then. One of nine. His father died when he was four. His father died while his mother was pregnant with twins. Ladies, can you imagine nine children being a widow? Dale Moody ended up going to work for a shoe store and he actually became a cobbler. He actually became a shoemaker. He had a fifth grade education. The first time he applied, he got saved. And the first time he applied for church membership, they turned him down. How many of you call Destiny Church your home? Raise your hand if you call this your home church. Guess what? Your members. Got that out of the way. Okay. It was funnier in first service. (laughs) One day he heard a message, a preacher, that said this phrase. He said, the world is yet to see what God can do with, for, and through a man who is consecrated to him. Dale Moody thought, what if I were that man? And he lived the rest of his life. He spoke to thousands upon thousands of people. And he reached thousands upon thousands of people for eternity. And it wasn't because he was extraordinary or because he was an above average person. It was because he was an ordinary person who made a radical commitment to live for a higher purpose. He coined this phrase that faith makes all things possible, love makes all things easy. And I wonder today, what if you were that man? What if you were that woman? What if you were that student? What if you were that person? I believe God can do extraordinary things in and through each and every single one of you. And it's not because you're extraordinary. It's because when you fully surrender your life to Jesus 
and you choose to be selfless and humble and others-oriented and fearless and servant-minded and obedient and gospel-focused, I believe that that's when we can truly make a difference in somebody's life. You've heard Pastor Chad say this so many times, but Destiny Church, it's time that we live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And the gospel tells us to think of others more, actually think of others more so than yourself. And if we do that, I guarantee you God will do something extraordinary through your efforts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray today. Jesus, God, I thank you for your message today. God, these are, this is your words. This is what you spoke. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us apply this to our life, that you would help us, uh, God, to live selfless, that you would help us to understand, God, it's about others. It's about serving others. God, it's about introducing someone to your son, Jesus. And God, we're so thankful, God, that we get to do this. Would you help us apply this to our life? Would you help us to make a difference?